The following episode of Fofop is rated MA. It contains alternating hosts, a rotating roster of guests, and mild course language. Fofop advises that it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who came here looking for one of those highbrow NPR-type podcasts. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deeg speaking. And welcome to Fofop. My name is Will Anderson, and joining me, guest Charlie's. Yes, that's tr- that's right. I think there may be the only guest Charlie's. I think you might be the only people that I've ever had on. To- have I? Had- oh, no, I've had others on together. What am I talking about? Anyway, why am I doing? No, this? we accept the it's mantle. Us. We accept yeah. it. Will don't check it out. It's us. Do no research, <laughs> but these are men who do do their research, and I mean they are part of QAnon, and it's good to have them on to share some of their excellent opinions about what's really going on. With the lizard people, it is Cameron James and Alexi Toliopoulos. Thanks for having us, Will. Thank you. Thanks, Will. We'd love to talk about QAnon. You don't hear enough about it anymore. It's kind of fallen mm. off the radar a little bit. Mate, a it guy, used to be I, so popular and happening and wicked and wild. Here's what I will say about QAnon, though. It had its 13th QAnon-related death uh, last week or this week. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, there was a Q, another QAnon killer. So it's, it's, it's like a... It is. It does lurk in the community still. Occasionally, somebody is just like reads wow. a bit too much stuff on the internet and like tries to kill their family, and that is an interesting ticking time bomb for those out there who've got that yeah. uncle who's just a bit too into his conspiracies. <laughs> one of them's living out here now, I think. I think. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Q. One of the Q guys. Yeah, yeah Q. One of Q. Is it Q himself, Ron Watkins? Well, I think. Yeah, Ron here. Watkins, who they is the chief suspect for being like most of the Q posting, Ron, and so. Anyway, let's not talk about fucking QAnon. Like, let's not, <laughs> let's not dive into Ron Watkins. <laughs> but here's what I will say. is it's, It is slightly adjacent to what I have gathered us here to talk about today, which yeah. is that my favourite cub detectives. You know, there's <laughs> been the Secret Seven, the famous five, but when I think <laughs> of just a couple of little mates who get together to solve some mysteries, mm. I think of Lex and Cam. You yeah. are the two good boys Thank that you. come to my mind out the back in your cub <laughs> house solving your mysteries and you're back mystery solvers we're back this is i'm the alfred hitchcock to your uh yeah alfred hitchcock <laughs> presents your adventures and i am here to present the adventures because my favorite boy detectives are back solving another mystery they found drago they've yeah. found desperado yeah. and you know what now they're trying to find someone new a new person that you may have heard of so yeah. anyway tell people tell people what's going on boys first of all thanks for calling us boys detectives i hope to hang on to that title well into my late 30s and early 40s i never want to graduate to man detective Mm -hmm. that sounds fucking horrible we don't want to solve real crimes we want to do this kind of like friendly neighborhood stuff that we've been doing for the last few years that's what we want to stick into it is you know what and i like that though that is Mm. part of the charm of it and and when i say boy detectives i actually say that on purpose because that is part of the appeal of the show it's Mm. like because I have, like, yeah, anyway, the TV show Catfish, like, tends mm. to be on a lot oh, yeah. in my house. And I have mixed feelings about the television show mm-hmm. Catfish, but I oh. find it quite compelling. Yeah. And part yes. of the thing that I find compelling is, like, the, the two hosts have that element of, like, 
we're just two friends who are here solving some mysteries. Like, you know, we've just yeah. decided to go out and work out what is going on here, you know. And there is an element of your show that to me reminded me, I'm like, this is what I like about the TV show Catfish, but I can feel better about this. I don't have the same conflicted mix emotions that I have about watching Catfish that I have watching your stuff. We both love the movie Catfish. Uh, I don't, Alexi, yeah. I don't even know. Have you watched the TV series version of it? Yeah, of course. The movie's like one of my favorite movies of all time and like huge influence, inspiration for me. I am go through waves of being fully addicted to the TV show where I'll watch like 14 episodes in like a day (laughs) where I'm just like, yeah, this is all I'm going to do this week and just watch 14 episodes of Catfish and go through the emotional ringer of everything from going, this person's psycho, this person's getting hurt to going, God, I'm having a great time watching this maniac storm. It is fucking compelling. It is good to Mm. watch. But then you do have to check your um, conscience at the door when you watch it. Because every now and then you're watching it and you go, are these these two guys actually qualified to deal with the level of mental illness that they're dealing with? I don't think so. And I, and I think that's a question that no one's going to ask watching Finding Jesus. So, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, I know. So let's tell people, before we get into all that, tell people what yeah. it is, where they can find it, like, you know, all the important stuff, and then we can talk about it. We'll do the hard sell, yeah. So Finding Jesus is a mystery series, an investigative comedy series. Alexi and I have found a bizarre little unsolved mystery on the internet out there. There's a a video game called Kanye Quest. What's Kanye Quest, Alexi? It's a video game that came out in 2013. Someone basically anonymously uploaded it to the internet. And it's a role-playing game, kind of like Pokemon. It looks like Pokemon. It plays like Pokemon, where you play as Kanye West, going around this town, this world, battle-rapping other rappers to try to become the greatest of all time. Yeah. That's right. But the reason that people still talk about this video game today is that there's a hidden level within the game that you can access by using some weird code words. And uh, a lot of people seem to believe that this hidden level and the game itself are a recruitment tool for a new age cult called Ascensionism that believes in the singularity and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a living on forever... Immortality through technology, through the internet, all of those kind of like new, new world beliefs of like technology Mm. bringing, merging with the human soul to create new life in new worlds that are in a digital space. Transhumanism. 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 So this idea, and and look, it, it it's a compelling school of thought, which is particularly in a world where like our natural environment is becoming like problematic for people. The idea that mm. the predominant companies in the world are all tech, technology companies and information technology companies, and we get the majority of our news and the way that our yeah. brains are shaped. Like in the last fourteen years of our lives, like our brains have like substantially evolved into a place where you can't get on a, a like a train or like, you know, mm. in a public space without people looking at their phones more than they're looking at each other. Like that's yeah. like, we've had 250,000 years of human beings being on this planet in some form. And in 14 years, mm. we substantially st- changed the way that we think 
um, particularly in our relationship with technology. Like if you told me 20 years ago that like what you're talking about now, I'd be like, yeah, Westworld was a great movie and yeah, I hope totally. they reboot it as a <laughs> yeah. TV series on HBO at some stage. But like it, it doesn't make any sense at that point. But no. now, mm. I mean, it makes complete sense. Like it feels like we're so close to that already being the thing and the people who have the money, these people who want immortality because if you look at most of the richest people in the world, they all have immortality schemes. You know, they're all investing yeah. in being able to extend their life through some way, like physically or techno technologically, and they're the people who have the access to that same te technology. So the idea that if you had to back a future of human beings – you go, well, what are the richest people putting all their money into? Mm, it's mm. this. It's literally yeah. what you're talking about. Life so extending stuff. I was yeah. watching this going, this is a small story in a way. Like you said, a little internet mm. game, a, a little internet mystery. But the themes behind it yeah. to me are actually very big in the relationship we have with technology and where the world is going in relation to us and technology. Well, we spoke to a, a guy in the first episode, a, a transhumanist expert, and the, the way he framed this whole idea to us was mm. mind-blowing because you're right, when you first think of the idea of living on forever with technology, you do think of Westworld or, you know, putting mm. your consciousness into a robot or living, uploading yourself to the cloud or something that's a bit futuristic. But this guy that we spoke to, Peter Jing, he kind of explained to us that smart glasses are an example mm. of transhumanism yeah. or a bionic limb or, um, mm. you know, the sort of implants that people use to regulate insulin levels inside their bodies and stuff like yeah. that. That's It's already happening and it's around us. It's just the next step is really the whole point of transhumanism is defying God and mm. defying biology. And extending your life. And that's what we've all done. We're already living longer than we should. It's so interesting because we it feels like we are on the verge of science fiction where it's yeah, like totally. kind of coming into our reality. Yes. I think that was the thing that really fascinated me most with mm. like that that transhumanist expert Peter Zing was just contextualizing what it is right now rather than like what it is far out. Like the stuff that we're thinking about and talking about is uploading your consciousness to the cloud so you can live forever in a digital heaven and that's yeah. kind of like what this cult ascensionism is all about but hearing about what it is right now is like oh this is so inspiring and it's like the melding of spirituality with technology was so bizarre but also i mean you would argue like i mean that podcasting for example oh, yeah. like you know mm -hmm. but any of our elements of our lives that we're living online but can you imagine that if you're a fan of George Carlin or if you're a fan of Groucho Marx or whoever it might be, that you are able to go to some library and access like 500 hours of them talking to people <laughs> yeah. and hear yeah. what they were like when they were just telling stories from their life or hear them go through a marriage breakup or like have kids yeah. and hear mm -hmm. their reflection on that. At the end of that experience, you would feel like you knew that person much better than you know. I mean – I know more about my friends because of podcasts mm. than I know about conversations I have with my friends, you yeah, know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I was to I was talking to Tom Ballard the other day, and I was like, yeah, I'm right across everything you're doing. I listen to all your podcasts. I'm fine. Like, I know we haven't spoken haven't for six months, like but I've got all the highlights, man. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that, too. So, that was an, an option was... Mm. Um, Alexi started Very to early think, on. Alexi started to have a little panic attack that the fact that he does exist, 
forever through podcast mediums and he started thinking yeah. that it's mainly going to be talk- his opinions on Mike Myers that exist forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to try and make an AI out of me and get him to try and start reviewing movies to see what would happen. <laughs> the interesting thing is that I wonder, because you talk about like how this affects stories and storytelling and science fiction, we're on the edge of science fiction. Mm. It feels to me so often that either one of two things is correct, and I think it's the latter, not the former, but the first could be that there is an era of science fiction writers who have greater futuristic imaginations than the scientists and people who are working on these things, or the other is that we are limited in our imagination by the stories that have already been yeah, told because yeah. most of the technology we develop mm. is shit from, from like, it's all books. just like, and we always, yeah. right. Yeah. And often the wrong message. Yeah. Often people watch Terminator <laughs> and go, fuck, a robot dog with a gun would be rad. Let's do that. Like, <laughs> oh, what a way to go out. Getting killed by your own robot dog with a gun. <laughs> Remember what, like, about six years ago when everyone was sharing those Images from 2001, A Space Odyssey, and going, look, they predicted mm. the iPad. Yeah. They predicted iPads. It's like, no, we <laughs> yeah. copied iPads from that. Are You're you right. kidding me? Yeah, yeah from we, that. we saw it yeah. and said, let's make that. There's a very enjoyable documentary I saw probably like 15 years ago. Uh, I think it's called Trekkies or Trekkers, and it's about mm. like Star Trek nerds. And a huge... Uh, portion of it is about like the science and technology community and how they were inspired by Star Trek and how they were working to make uh, all the technologies from Star Trek to become reality and stuff especially in the forms of like communications the holodeck and all that stuff and how is inspiring technology still today like you know that's a show that's like 60 years old now and it was like such a blueprint for technology now well I mean I think I think of that yeah, well, at least it was kind of a good show that thought about things in an intelligent way about like a future that was like positive where we'd all sort of utopianly really worked out most of our problems. Mm. Whereas like other people are watching fucking Terminator and Robocop and going, great ideas, note this down, yeah. let's do all this shit. A flip of a coin and it would have been Get Smart inspiring everything. We would have been all whipping our shoes yeah. off in the middle of the food court to start chatting to each other. It is funny when you look at Zuckerberg or Elon and the, and the things that they're working on and you realize you like you guys know Skynet was the bad guys in Terminator, right? Like we're not <laughs> it's not aspirational to make Skynet. Well, that's why there was that the one of the sequels where they had the essentially the internet company that was like the new oh, Skynet yeah. and you were like Apple. This doesn't work because this is already happening. Like you should have We've just made it, it yeah. about what was really <laughs> yeah. going on at the moment rather than the going, look at this dystopian future. You're like, this is the present that we live in right now. Yeah, yeah. The one that amuses me the most every time it comes up is hoverboards. So that is mm. the best example of mm. something that people are holding on trying to develop purely because they like Back to the Future. Like, there is no other practical... Mm. They mm. would be the most dangerous fucking... Can you imagine? Mm. Like, like scooters mm. and skateboards are bad enough, mm. but a whole bunch of, like, yep. fuckers on hoverboards just... Floating teams. Shut up. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Go away. That is not necessary. The one advantage would be that you you can't like roll over and break someone's toe. Like I don't know what the advantage of you the just get them in the be. shins, which is more painful. I'd rather have a rolled over toe than a fucking hoverboard <laughs> in the shins. You know. <laughs> so um, okay, so you 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 did your two previous podcasts, your little mysteries that you like mm. to solve together. Mm. Solve some mysteries. Mm-hmm. 
And off the back of that, you're like, well, hang on. Like, maybe people would like to see our faces while we're solving these mysteries. Tell us what happened. <laughs> yeah. Finally, a face reveal. <laughs> we yeah. were bagging on that face reveal that people would be really excited to find out what the two greatest hunks of podcasting actually look like. Next, we're going to do a feet reveal. That's going to be the next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we when we originally pitched finding drago we pitched it as a video series yeah. to the abc and then they said how about a podcast because it's infinitely cheaper <laughs> <laughs> and so we so we went all right fine and we we love podcasting it's a great it's so easy yeah. it's also like no one checks in on you when yeah. you're making a fucking podcast there's no one banging on mm-hmm. your door asking to see the dailies or anything like that but the goal was always to make a series and to use it as an example of like what we could do if we were you know, given a TV show or, you know, if we were allowed mm-hmm. to make sort of longer form video things. So we were just excited to jump at the opportunity for it. And um, and we, you know, we're such film nerds. We always yeah. think like visually and stuff. So it was kind of always a goal for us to go, oh, we can turn all the stuff that we do in podcasting, like the recreations and how inspired those podcasts are by the movies that we love and the movies that we feel connect with audiences in the same emotional way as the stories that we're telling mm. and kind of do all that stuff visually and translate it all visually with actors and, you know, great filmmakers and stuff. Yeah, and the the style of it is uh, one of the more impressive things. You can see how much fun you're having with it, but it's cohesive, which is interesting because it's mm. actually not really cohesive in style at all. Like, it's actually, you know, flipping from genre mm. to genre to genre, from scene to scene. Like, you know, there's a moment... In the so you're interviewing an actual expert in the first episode where you're suddenly like, hang on, is if they tricked me into watching some educational show, like, am I about to like (laughs) 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 learning stuff? Hang on a second, are these guys smart? It's like a real, this is not a fake expert, this is like a real dude who's saying intelligent things Mm. about this. this that's our plan. We're like Sesame Street. We're tricking Didn't you into that learning. same guy who's like nodding along to this, say, horse's cock like 30 seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there's like, there's, there's yeah. elements of how you've like obviously thought about each of those things saying, what does this scene need? Like, so, you know, as in like, so we're going to yeah. do a take on a interviewing an expert, like what are our cutaways going to look like? What are our reactions going to be? Like, how are we going to frame this? So this is like, you could take it out and use it almost like as a clip in its own right. And you just go, ah, he, Mm. I get this. He's an interview, but there's like a premise attached to the interview. And that is the execution of this bit. And it feels like, so much of this show, even though it's very cohesive, like you, uh, the, the narrative in, in particular obviously gives it a cohesion of always like moving forward, you know, exploring this narrative at the heart of it, this mystery that you're trying to solve. But from scene to scene, it's almost like you've made little i mean you know the the opening credits i've shown like i mean like the, i'm sorry of the clicks and that i've stolen you from on like on the subscription service because i've just like shown so many people i've gone you've got to see these opening credits and then but then like the rest of it i mean again this is just my observation having watched it but it feels like one of those shows where you could literally kind of every minute and a half like just clip it and go Here's a here's a bit. Here's an idea we had or about how we were going to execute this. So talk talk to me about the process a little in regard to that. 
Well, I would say that, like, you're pretty spot on with that because, you know, when we sit down with an expert, what you see in the series is maybe 45 seconds or a minute of them telling us something really interesting or something wild um, that uh, adds all the color that we need for the story and all the information and exposition, the gravitas that the audience needs to kind of understand. And it's kind of like a way for us to, like, do a shorthand of communicating a lot without, like, having to go read this wikipedia page before you get to the next scene but with the way that we make it we have to sit down with this person for a full hour and talk to them and you know that full hour also equals probably three hours of including the setup the talking to this person getting them to feel camera ready getting them to feel in the same zone as us and usually that works out to um the person being quite funny on camera (laughs) instead of like being Mm. like a a person Mm. that we're hoodwinking or whatever Mm. they get into the same zone as us they understand what's going on they want to play with us they want to riff with us and that's something that we found over this making this one in particular was we always have that idea of like i'll be so cool to be like Ali G or Borat and like get someone so like stick in the mud someone so like serious and then we're just funny with them and then they always just become funnier than us when we're (laughs) hanging out with them yeah pretty much Yeah, they jump on board very quickly. And I think, uh, yeah, you raised a good point. And it's 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 the storytelling stuff. I mean, you get it from making TV. You know what it is. Like, you need to make the dry stuff entertaining. So, we just broke every episode down into, you know, types of segments that we wanted. We knew we wanted expert interviews, but we wanted to break them up with us being goofy to camera in our office. And then we wanted to have really cinematic-looking recreations with people dressed in matrix outfits and we wanted to have something a little bit stunty out in the real world in every episode and hopefully all those things kind of merge together in a way that feels like yeah we're tricking people into learning something at the end of the day yeah so i i and look there's a million questions i would love to ask you about this but i also absolutely don't want to like you know put on a balaclava and suddenly become the masked (laughs) documentary maker and unmask all the secrets (laughs) of how you put together one of these things i i I would love to know i would love to know all the secrets don't get me wrong and like you know i i will ask you all individually off air what those secrets are but um but you know when you set out on a mystery like you know you're making something that you know you're going to film and you have to complete do you have a sense of what the journey is going to be and like don't be too specific about this obviously but do you have a sense of what you imagine the journey is going to be and then how much room do you leave for being genuinely surprised by twists and turns along the way i'll tell you this we We did not know how this series was going to end when we'd started filming it, Mm -hmm. but we we hoped it would go a certain direction. So we planned for it to go down a certain path, and then about three days into production, that path was a dead end, and we found Mm -hmm. a new fork, and we just had to roll with that and go down that way. Um, so yeah, there's always a plan, but usually, in fact, every time we've done one of these, it's gone yeah. another direction and we've just had to yeah. roll with it, uh, I which think is fun that's kind and of the- fucking terrifying. <laughs> It's so terrifying. Like, I think that's kind of the easiest way to describe it is 
for a documentary, you have to plan so freaking much. And especially where mm, small right. production, we have a short shooting window. You have to yeah. plan so much. We have to write scripts of like the comedy beats that we want to do, but then also like the story beats of what we thought would be happening. We've had yeah, to do right. that every time. But like Cameron said, it changes every time. And I would say that no matter how much you can plan with documentary making, you're telling a narrative through reality. And reality is not something you can totally control and you can't really control where the story's going. And I would say that like a good example of it would be when we were pitching this idea to uh, to um, having you done well and to Screen Australia, the whole series that we had mapped out for our pitch was like six episodes and almost the entire of those six episodes looked like it was just episode one as yeah. what we filmed. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, we condensed everything down really quickly because things just kept moving forward. <laughs> okay, so um, again, and if at any stage I stumble onto anything that you don't want to reveal, even in the question, mm. please feel free to just tell me to uh, cut it out and we'll cut it out. That's fine. But I'm just going to ask general questions because mm-hmm. I'm please. curious. Awesome. <clears throat> Because if this one doesn't spoil anything, mm. then I have hopefully an interesting question to ask off it. <laughs> but if the question of this one spoils anything, then obviously we won't. Um, so it, Kanye Quest obviously was based around Kanye West. Sure. Mm-hmm. At any stage in your documentary, <laughs> is Kanye West aware of what is going on or appears in your documentary? <laughs> <laughs> no, we we tried really hard to reach out to Kanye's people. We went so far. We were going talking to people at Triple J, talking to mm-hmm. people, you know, who work in music and work for big record labels and everyone basically just said yeah, he's not. You'll never get in touch with him. You'll never even get in touch with his people. It's so mm-hmm. far away from your capabilities. At one point we were talking to um someone who knew Donald Glover and we were yes. hoping that we could get at least in touch with Donald Glover, but we couldn't even get that fucking far. <laughs> we were like, Donald Glover is too far away from where we want to reach. I mean, I, I know the Hilltop Hoods. That's Does that help? <laughs> That's close. <laughs> That's pretty close. That's pretty close. They might have met Kanye get- a few times. <laughs> we couldn't get Briggs. We couldn't get 360. We couldn't get any of these rappers. We couldn't even get Joel Turner uh, and the Modern Day Poets. <laughs> okay so question two then good all right uh do you like think that now like you know this will be out in the world and because of you know the fact that this involves kanye west at least in some way Mm. like you know everything about kanye west is news right everything about kanye west is interesting to people in the broader like you know world whether they like kanye or don't like kanye he's just one of those people that people like to talk about so like you know these guys who've made this like you know documentary trying to track down this like cult that might be behind a kanye west thing Mm. To me, feels like something that could be picked up as as news. Do is there a world where you imagine this will ever be on Kanye West's radar? I guess is the question that I'm asking. <laughs> I would. Has say- that thought crossed your mind <laughs> that like at at some stage this will lead to direct contact with Kanye West? I would say from past experience, we did a podcast about Mike Myers for hundreds of hours. Minimum, there's a hundred hours of us yeah. talking about our hero Mike Myers. 
we didn't hear one peep from the guy, so we kind of think that it might not go that far. Okay, yeah, I mean, that is a good point. Yeah. That is a good case study. <laughs> the hundreds of hours of us exist demanding to speak to Mike Myers, wanting to talk to him, wanting to, like, you know, give him the most glorious biography anyone's ever had, and we didn't even get, uh, hey, Mike likes what you guys do, nothing. So, you know, yeah. Kanye is probably more that. elusive than Mike Myers as well. I can't imagine what life must be like for Kanye where this is not even going to be a blip on his radar. There's just so much content about him Mm. all the time that he must just... It must just not even phase him. He wouldn't even be curious. You just, I mean, there is that point where you get to that, right? Like, even as someone who is absolutely nowhere near the stratosphere (laughs) of like being well known that Kanye West is, um, but you know, I know that there are some sections of the, you know, um, internet where people write like, you know, fan fiction stories about you or like, you know, like all these sort of, like, there is stuff that exists that is out there Mm -hmm. that I have been made aware exists that I have never like thought. I should go and read that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we have a TOEFOP, um, like, Facebook page, which is, like, fans of the podcast who have a community together mm. that Charlie – I mean, Charlie visits every, like, three months or so just to sort of check in and mm. see that everything's cool, but I've never visited it. It's mm. not for me. Mm. It's for people to talk about the show with each other and form friendships and debate things and, like, that's not a place for me to play. So uh, – I get that he can live in a world where, but like you said, if someone made a fucking documentary about a game that was like based on, like, yeah. I mean, come on, that there's got to be at least one day where I've got some <laughs> friends around who are, where I'm like, guys, we've got an hour and a half. Let's smoke some weed and let's watch this fucking, let's log on. You know who I love? Auntie Donna. And they've got a great channel where they're like supporting other people and they've made a documentary about a game that was based on you. Surely at some stage you're going to have a look. Did you watch um, the Netflix doco about Kanye? Genius. Uh, yeah, I did watch I that, loved, yes. I loved Genius. All right, and it's shot over a long period of time. It's shot mm. over 10 years or more. Yeah. And there's a point in the third episode where he's talking to the documentarian who's been filming him for over 10 years, and he doesn't remember the guy's name. No. So that, to me, says that this mm. Kanye is not interested in what's going on around him that's about <laughs> him, I don't think. If he can't even remember the guy who's been filming him for over a decade, he won't give a fuck about two Australians diving into a video game about him. I wonder, I <laughs> Is there wonder... not a point, though, where you can just... I mean, th- there would be part of me that if I was Kanye West rich and famous, mm. where you just go, I'm just going to go and buy an island or whatever, yeah. and I'm just going to, like, get up in the morning and go for a swim, like, have, like, a nice breakfast, like, chill, and then you know what I'm going to do with my day? Consume all the content that was made about me in my lifetime. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Just like a couple yeah. of hours in the morning, a couple of hours in the afternoon, and just reflect on like your life and the contribution you made to worldwide debate, you know? Just a little lost weekend. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you should do that with the Tofop fan fiction that's yeah. out there about you and yeah. Charlie. Right. Well, I don't think I, I would have to still work to a fair. Le- I wouldn't have, like I wouldn't take up all my days of my retirement. I don't think to maybe get an to afternoon it. or two. That'd be pretty fun. 
Yeah, I mean, even the idea that someone, like if I heard someone was making a documentary that had anything to do with me, mm. I would just be like, this is no good. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want people looking into my shit that more, that closely. No, thank you. No, thank you. We'll cross that off our list of next mysteries we're going to try and solve. But, uh... Find, finding Ando. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> Um, uh, I, uh, this week had to, um, uh, I, I, my book's coming out and, uh, I had to do the audio book. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I'd never, I've never listened to an audio book, which like, to be honest, I kept thinking in the run up to it that I was like, you know what, you should be professional mm-hmm. and listen to a few audio books and see what you like and what you don't like. And then it just got closer and closer and I did, hadn't had the time to do it. And then I was like, well, it's no good just to listen to one or two because then you'll be unduly influenced by like how they did it. Mm. That might not necessarily be the best way. And so I didn't listen to So it was like I did not know what I was in for. They booked me in for three days. And so it's three days, four hours in a row. It took five hours on the last day to finish it, Jeez. like to read the whole book right. from start That's to finish. Heavy. And... Like, you would think that reading your own words would make it easier, Mm. but all it does is just make – is honestly the worst experience. Like, it's like having to read your words – out loud oh, and boy. as a comedian yeah so some of the stuff in the book is like also based on like some stand-up that i did and mm. so mm. but it's been rewritten like in a different form for the book mm. and so <laughs> you hear you hear works. the audio you taking the mic out right. of the stand when you start doing <laughs> those bits <laughs> moving the stand over. Oh, I, I, I will say you hear those bits come alive in some in a way some of the other stuff does not come alive kicking <laughs> in but also that because it's differently worded and you have to read it how it is in the it's like it can sometimes be clunky because mm-hmm. the way you'd say something on stage isn't the way your yep. mind reads it if it's written down in a book but then you're reading it out loud again so you're like oh this is just like a more clumsy version of the way I would say this on stage <gasps> wow. and yeah it was and I am it just is like honestly three days in a row like just being like going just please examine every thought you've ever had in your life because that's what the book is about anyways yeah. about like my thoughts from the last two years so it's just me reading out loud my I'm like oh you were having a breakdown when you wrote this bit <laughs> the audio tech can't look you in the eye after a session oh, yeah, good work mate yeah <laughs> uh, how, well how's this so on the first day there's this guy who, who usually does it hmm. and he is um like it, it, so, the way you do it is just like you start reading, and if you fuck something up, he just goes back to the start of like whatever the previous, like the sentence where you came in is, mm, yeah. and he'll play you so that you can kind of tone match it. Oh, yeah, God. he'll play you the lead in line, and then you just keep talking, and he's like edits on the run. So I had him for the Wednesday, and I had him for the Friday. But for the Thursday, where we'd already been booked in, of course, uh, Her Majesty the Queen of Australia uh, unfortunately died and we all had to have our day of mourning uh, in her name. So suddenly that was a public holiday. So the guy who is the modern guy, like he had to have the day off. Mm. So the dude who runs this company, who's 75 years old and was like recently wow. in a motorcycle accident and, and like, oh like he comes in 
Like, like he hasn't been in. He's, he's like, I haven't been in here in three years. I'm like, oh no, I didn't know I was like making some like old man drive down from the fucking hills to like, you know, be back in the studio, right? On the day of mourning, oh, this God. this feels bad. And then of course he had a different method, which was you just do it like you'd traditionally do it, which is just like pick up the line and he'll edit it out later. Uh-huh. Wow. And I, so it was it was just very fun because. Like the the guy who was like the modern guy, he like was saying to me afterwards because I was having like a crisis of confidence, and he's like, "Mate, I honestly have not laughed that much like ever recording a book. Yeah. Like it was oh, really funny, great. blah blah blah." Yeah, the old guy, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know if the middle bit of the book is real shit. Like never. Like both ends. Like really of the disclaimer at the start, being like the middle third of this was recorded on a day of mourning with a really. (laughs) There was a very somber mood around the whole country. I I had to soak into it too. If you download the audio book and there is a change of tone in the middle, it'd be great if I end up winning like an award or something. It's like it's incredible change of time <laughs> in the middle of the book really brings it. It's like, yeah. It's almost it as the if day there was the a morning. cumulus hermit sitting opposite him in the studio. <laughs> That's crazy. I can't, I mean, I can't even imagine four hours of just your own talking your own shit out loud. I think I'd go insane. Oh, my favorite oh. bit, because I like am not famous for my character work at the best of times, and uh, um, all my voices sound the same for the first two things I say, and then by the third thing I can say, I've normally found what like makes that voice slightly different to all the <laughs> other voices I do. But they're all some version of like whatever the thing is. It's always me going, um, uh, "It's a Sunday." It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. And then, like, I'm like, oh, there you are. Like, that's the person, <laughs> yeah. right? But the first two steps are the same regardless. But when you're doing a book, you don't have the time to warm up into the character. Mm. So yeah. literally, the uh, it's – I mean, I would love somebody to go through and clip out my character work to see if any of it is indistinguishable <laughs> or consistent in any fucking way because it is – it's crazy. And you don't have time to go back. You're just like, okay, well, I guess that's the voice that person has now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and you're selling yourself short. I've seen you do puppet will on Bruin. You really lost yourself in that character. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Can I tell you, I had some puppets. So on Gruen, we um, – it was so funny because – we were toying with this idea. Was it your idea in the first place, Cam? The the puppet monologue. Uh, I feel like it might uh, have been it, one of yours. Maybe, anyway, maybe it was James, a, but we would have it worked was, yeah, it James, yeah. bloody James Collie, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, we had this idea that there was a lot of puppets in ads. That was the observation that we started with. That was a bit of a, and so we tried to put together this like you know, go at doing like a puppet thing for the, and we just couldn't quite nail it. Mm. And it didn't, but they'd already ordered the puppet, I think. Yeah. And I think we liked the puppet. The puppet, puppet. Made. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then they, and then they sent us the puppet and we were like, this is a pretty funny puppet. I think, I think we should just lean into the puppet and listen to the nonsense that we were trying to get across the line. Yeah. And then we did it. And then like people really liked it in a way that was like beyond our imagination of 
how charmed people would be by this fucking puppet. And then it became like then we had puppets of everyone at the yeah. end and like it was a whole thing a whole of us season. just – I was like, what are we doing? Like, like I'm like a, a nearly 50-year-old fucking man hosting a fucking like well-respected show on a national broadcaster and like we're doing fucking puppet shit. But people loved it yeah. in, and, and to the point where – I won't blow up anybody's spot, but like sometimes because my social media, I'm going off social media completely, um, like personally. And part of it is that I just, it's, you become too contactable mm. and people now have no boundaries around mm. that. Mm. Like, but sometimes it is funny because I had so many inappropriate propositions from strangers around like what they could like see with me and that puppet. Oh my like it, it honestly was like, what do you mean? I, that's not like people would. So when I was a young, like comedian, like, yeah, people reach out to you. Like, you know, that's kind of the part of that world, but like, the, it's been a very long time since I've sparked anyone's flames. Right. <laughs> like, like I'm, you know, and I am absolutely fine with that. That is not what I'm looking for yeah. in any way. I need yeah. to point that out. And, but this and, new felt and, guy, people really dig him. Mate. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what it was, but there's like a, a, a percentage of the population that Whoa, that stirs something in who like immediately thought that I not only did they feel that feeling, but they thought it was appropriate to reach out and share that feeling with me, which, you know. So were they... It is not, but I kind of appreciated regardless, you know. Uh, wow, were they really like steamy messages, like trying to entice you to send the puppet to them? I mean, I don't think anyone asked for the puppet, but I think people like suggested scenarios where they can envis- envisage themselves, the puppet, and myself involved. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. That's so... I'm so glad that we wrote that puppet monologue for you then. It's opened you up to a whole new market of fans. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure it's a market that I would like to court. <laughs> like, you know, next year your show will be a whole puppet show. I guarantee you. you'll be touring a puppet show around the country. Well, you know, the funny thing is that um, uh, Jimmy Carr, mm. the comedian Jimmy Carr, like what he does on his social media, he has a Jimmy Carr puppet, and like he'll always post a photo of like in the like the empty theater that he's playing. Like Jimmy's here tonight. Like blah blah blah. It's like a regular thing he does. Mm. And so it's got me thinking, like, based on my entirely small sample, the amount of, like, propositions Jimmy Carr, who's a much more oh, famous yeah. comedian mm. and has a bigger reach than I do, mm. must be getting that are puppet-related. Like, if that extrapolates yeah. as a, an example, he must be inundated with, like, puppet-based requests. That's amazing. Maybe he's into it. Well, it feels like he's leaning into it. That's what I would say. I see a lot of puppet content on his social media feed, and what I know, he's getting a lot of puppet po- propositions. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would argue, Your Honour, and I am not a lawyer. <laughs> that means he's asking for it. He's dangling his puppet out there. He's soliciting that stuff. A few people have, uh, a few people have gotten in touch with me and Becky Lucas on our podcast to say, Erotic things about Alexi Toliopoulos. Quite a really? f- quite a few people have reached out and talked wow. about how Alexi's voice makes them horny when they listen oh to my Lord. the podcast and stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's um, that's too much. Well, both. Oh well, you know what the great thing is, Lex. What you just said then. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh my Lord. That's, that's too much. Is the perfect. <laughs> 
piece of clip and using your lovemaking on loop. Them. You're baiting That's them. perfect. Oh, That's exactly what they want to hear. Well, I want to wish all the lovers enjoying this podcast out there right now a splendid time in the sack <laughs> listening to this podcast. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I'm interested, uh, Lex, there's a joke at the end of the second episode of, uh, <laughs> of Finding Jesus where um, you break uh, the fourth wall mm. and uh, speak directly to the audience. Like, we call that, that deadpooling the camera in the business. <laughs> is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, we deadpooled the camera. We're up to deadpool. <laughs> is there any more Deadpooling in the uh, future episodes or is that like a one-off Deadpool joke? I think that might have been the only time that we did that and it was just mm. because our director, Max Miller from Auntie Donna, was making mm. us do a very serious take where we just yeah. he pushed in while we were looking at this clue mm-hmm. and neither of us could get through it without <laughs> laughing because it was mm. too serious. Because it was so like, wow, just... all the president's men moment, just trying <laughs> yeah. to get it right so it looks cool. And he kept saying, it'll be so dramatic, it'll be such a good cliffhanger. And we were like, I think the only way we can do this is if we pretend this is Scooby-Doo and look at the camera and... <laughs> Ask the audience if they can solve it for us. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, it's honestly so funny. But I actually think it works. You know, it doesn't – like, I thought about it quite a lot because I was like, it made me laugh. It just made me laugh. Like, I mean, what a great way to finish an episode with, like, a laugh that big. But at the same time, it did – it actually feels like it includes the audience, particularly in the way that people are going to be consuming this. Mm. I, like – I'm like, that's fun. Like, it is a fun <laughs> idea because you're only really solving it for them, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. There is yeah. no imperative. Like, this isn't Watergate. <laughs> this isn't Woodward and Bird. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a, haven't asked for it. <laughs> there's no reason for this. It does. It's a mystery that does not need to be yeah, solved, not right? Not even the ABC wanted it. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to reopen some court case or, like, you know, free, free someone from prison or any of that shit, right? Yeah. Like, it, exi- it exists because the audience is interested in seeing this, like that mm. you are saying to them, here's a little mystery mm. that you will enjoy being solved, mm. right? So the idea that you're like including them in on that, I feel like that is tone appropriate to like what it is that you're doing because it's like, yeah, like there's no real reason <laughs> that like this needs to be solved <laughs> yeah. or that you need to care about it being solved one way or the other. Like, you just reminded but- me of something that I hadn't thought about in ages. When we were making Finding Drago originally and we would get messages from people like whenever the episodes come- came out or like in our little mm. podcast community and stuff. And I remember people would be like, Alexa, you should have gone way harder when questioning that person. I'm like, it's maybe a guy that maybe wrote a book. I'm not, it's not like a crime where I have to interrogate them. It's like you should be pressing right. him harder. I'm like, what? There's no, it doesn't matter Why? if I get the answer it or not. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, that's that's another thing we had to learn, especially over season two. There was a moment where we were getting a bit hard with our main mm. suspect. And then we had to take a step back and go, actually, who fucking cares? It's not worth upsetting this guy. Let's just let him have a nice, happy life and we'll just make our stupid little thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It doesn't really matter. Hours of his life and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's such a good point, Will. I hadn't even thought about it that way. It It is kind of a call to action and that's... Maybe something that will happen anyway is people will start mm. doing their own little digging yeah. episode right. to episode and we're sort of encouraging that, you know. Hopefully no one solves it before we do, though. 
<laughs> How regularly does it come out in regard to that? It's it's weekly. It's going to be weekly okay. every Monday right. from uh, from the twenty sixth of September. Actually, I think it's, it's five weeks. I, I feel like the last two episodes will come out together to avoid. I was going to say, is there that. a plan to just bulk drop if some fucking internet fucker gets too close to the truth? Yeah, probably. I think that's something yeah. we're all a little bit aware of. Because there's, <laughs> there's been a few people that have had a crack at solving this mystery yes. for us. Yeah. Right. Well, this is one of the things that you like. You know, you talk about, and I love that, which was like. This idea of going, here is the thing that exists. It's a bit of an internet mystery that some people are interested in. We're going to have a crack at solving it. Mm, right? Yeah. Whereas in the past, they're things that we've largely discovered, I would say, the other two. Yeah. But this one, there's like six YouTubers that have had a go at it and put out these long, exhaustive deep dives that are pretty great. Like they're mm. really good and they're worth a watch and they're really funny and interesting and well-made. But we cover the ground that they cover in the first two episodes. And then we've mm, got four yeah. more after that that go deeper. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not too threatened by it, but I think there's probably going to be some people that are that need to be convinced that we're worth trusting for six episodes. Mm. And I think that was kind I mean, of a big yeah. challenge for us was, like Cam said, the other two that we've made, we're the only people pulling at those threads right. to like unravel a mystery. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. one's ever thought of them before. No one's even ever thought of them as mysteries. And this is one where we're like, holy shit, mm. we're actually challenging ourselves because so many people have tried to solve this and no one has. And we're just like, maybe we are good at this if we can solve this one. It's kind of you know what it does. It does feel like a graduation. Mm. Like you've done a few open mics, you've solved a few open mic mysteries, right? Like you know, and then you're like, I reckon, I reckon I can take this. I reckon I can do this. I reckon we can take a pre, not a big mystery. Let's not go with like JFK or something, but like, like, like just a small mystery that a few other people have had a crack at, and we'll wander into town. Yeah, see if we see how we go. Spleen on a Monday night. Like, you know, it's not a pay gig, but there's some good people on. Busy might be on. <laughs> very well put. Very well put. This is the, this is the spleen of. Uh, <laughs> the spleen of mysteries. Maybe we'll do Harold Holt next. I don't know what that is. The yeah, basement. That's, of, uh, yeah, that's the comedy store, perhaps. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels, yeah, like comedy store because i mean obviously as people know like the famous the most famous of all jokes and of course mm. like of course this is the most famous of all jokes because it, it is a funny thing but like our prime minister who drowned <laughs> or went in a submarine or whatever yeah, the fuck happened, happened disappeared at sea uh they named a swimming pool after yeah. him and that is funny it is that's funny. a funny thing it's funny like it's a funny yeah. thing it's, really it's funny, funny. <laughs> Like, I don't judge comedians mm-hmm. who don't know that that joke has been made yeah. by every other yeah. comedian. And by every for other Australian. That. Not even yeah. just comedians. Yeah. Every person in Australia. Has you don't have to a wear a badge to make that joke. Any, it's up it's for anyone. Kind of, it is kind of a starter kit for, mm-hmm. like, you yeah. know, like when like one of those fancy restaurants like does most of the cooking for you and sends you out the ingredients yeah. and yeah. you just kind of combine <laughs> them and heat a few things up and you're like, look, I work at Rockpool. Yep. Like, I, that, I did that, that twice during COVID at the Rockpool one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so I feel like the Harold Holt pool is the yeah. provador of jokes. Yeah, like we've done the majority of the work for definitely. you. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you want 
<laughs> like, did they know it was funny when they were doing it? They must have. I mean, surely. Surely. Like, surely someone. Like, I talk about this in my book, but it's, which is why it's top of mind for mm. me just fucking recently reading it. But I talk about the idea that I believe that Jeff Bezos's uh, rocket was shaped like a dick on purpose. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I believe that is that I honestly believe that he wanted people to talk about that and mm. not whether, you know, we should be fucking having this ridiculous mm. billionaire space race that's yeah. Yeah, for no one but fucking them. So um, because you can't – it just has this – there's too many people who had to look at that rocket yeah. and at least one of them at some stage has got to go – I mean, this yeah. looks a lot like a dick, a dick right? Shape, like, this no? is like, is this like, does this look too much like a dick? The way that we have that head at the top and yeah. the bit down the bottom looks like balls. Do you think this looks like too much like a dick? <laughs> no, at a certain point, you just got to accept that there's rich people out there are also trolls and they love to mm-hmm. fuck around with us. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it, right? Like you're at some rich person's party and it's like, yeah, well, you might, not only am I going to be the first person into space as a private citizen, but also my rocket's going to look like a dick. What are you going to do about that? That's what I'm going to do. And then you did it. I'm the first guy to fuck the galaxy, okay? That's what I want to do. (laughs) Um, if you ever became mega rich, so let's say oh, this. Thank you. Finally, okay, we're getting so, into it. Please, let's <laughs> say <laughs> when, when we become mega rich. Okay. When you become mega rich, this is how I see it plays yeah. out, right? Um, uh, on uh, TOFOP, the sister podcast to this podcast, Charlie and I have spoken a lot recently uh, because Charlie has a fascination with a uh, boy band. Uh, who went by the name of Five. Yep. Mm. And uh, the, like mystery style, there's a bit some mysteries behind the boy band Five. Jay, mm. who was the rapper yep. from Five, left Five and has sort of disappeared. Um, uh, we've been that. asking the question, is Jay okay? Well, you know, he just, I think he was done with show business, Jay. Mm. And Jason, he's like, wants Jason to live Jay a quiet, Brown. yeah, wants to live a quiet life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we even we even went a little bit uh, you know into your world that we thought that we might travel to Wales and see if we could find Jay wow. because yes. we just wanted to know if Jay if Jay was okay. But um, he 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 or one of the other members of the boy band Five at one stage worked as a pet for a um, uh, a rich person, like a super oh. rich person, decided to adopt them as like a pet, basically. Like, like a it, that man. wasn't. A kept person, yeah, like, and they, okay. they would just essentially, like, at parties, like, do cocaine at parties, and everyone would be like, "Look, this is, mm. you know, Jay from Five or mm. whoever it was from Five, right?" And we were talking about what that life is because it's not a bad trade-off. Like, mm. your job is going to parties mm. and, like, you know, taking drugs and whatever yeah. and being looked after. Like, you know, he's not wearing a collar like or anything, a, right? Like, I don't think so. I think like is just, he like, literally it was like. I, th- I mean, de-sex and microchips, of course. But like, I, I don't know if he occasionally had to have sex with some of the people. I don't know. He didn't reveal that. He just revealed that this had been his situation. Ow. So, But uh, the only reason I tell you that is this is the scenario I'm proposing. You, you put this out into the world. Kanye West. Mm. Kanye West, who is... Um, a huge, it turns out, Auntie Donovan, because someone once sent him the Come On My Keys sketch. <laughs> and, like, for ages, like, he thinks that's the funniest thing that, like, he's ever seen in his life, always shows it to people. 
And then one of his mates comes in one day and says, Kanye, great news. Uh, the origin story behind <laughs> your favourite Auntie Donna sketch has been revealed and it is in this documentary that has been made, uh, um, you know, by these guys who are following this. So he sits down, he watches your documentary. It's about, you know, a world that is adjacent to him and he's like, I like this, I like this a lot. Wow. This is this is amazing. I like these two guys. You know what I think about these two guys? They would make great pets. The quote, Jane's addiction. I, I should get them over. And they can become, like, when I'm having one of my, mm. like, nine-day Donda listening parties, mm. like, you know, one yeah. of the side stages can be you can go and, like, hang out with my pets and they'll tell you about their, you know, little documentary they made about that game about me, right? Like, you know, everyone can play the game. Mm. Like, you know, it's like he, he's, he's charmed by it. Yeah, mm. He, like, adds you to his, like... You become part of his external entourage, yes. not like main players mm. in his inner circle, but like yep. definitely like, you know, when he's really getting the whole crew together, yeah. you guys are always invited. We're like, like guest house guys. W- yeah. Would you would you accept the offer to be Kanye West Pets? Oh, wow. I, um- you know what? <laughs> I think with these things, you have to accept that there is a shelf life to being a pet. You have yep. to know, it built into it is <laughs> that you, there is an expiry date. The moment yes. you walk in the door in Ohio at his like compound, you've got a two year expiry date stamped on your head where he's going to the clock starts you. ticking. Yeah, so uh. you have to be okay with that. And I don't know if I am. I think wow. I, if I'm in Kanye's life, I want to be in life for the rest of. I want to be in there forever. You, what, that's what your retirement you, like, plan, to live with Kanye <laughs> for the rest of your days. Live in the pool house. <laughs> uh, to me, it's, that is what the appeal is, that it's a two-year thing, that that's okay. it, you yeah. know, that it's probably going to be a short time. I think he will get sick of me for a while, after a while. I do have the tendency to be annoying if someone hangs out with me for too long. I start talking to him about all these movies he couldn't care about, so I know that my time would be coming to an end with him at some point but for those two years it will be pretty fun you know just to like mm. just he i mean he knows madonna and stuff that's crazy you could meet so many interesting people be great i to feel just like, be like his podcaster I, I, <laughs> just- I don't feel i don't actually feel like you would annoy kanye because i feel like like rappers hang out with a whole bunch of people who talk in you know unconventional ways, mm. right? Like there's mumble rappers yeah. and like all sorts of like incomprehensible yeah. talkers, right? Like so, I feel like he would just be like he'd kind of see the way you talked as just like white noise almost to him. You know what I mean? Like it'd just be like 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 a tune he hears as a producer in the background, and he just adds you into the mix he has like in the room at all times. And he just like he's constantly producing into a beautiful backing track for the thoughts he's having himself which is the other narrative he actually cares about like that's that's how i imagine it there's been people that have floated in and out of kanye's life remember a little while ago aziz ansari was kanye's kind of pet for a little while and he would party with him and stuff and then kanye would make him do stand up in the house at house parties and then that jared carmichael's in the genius documentary as well he's just kind of floating around kanye's compound like it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that another group of comedians could could enter that world. It may as well wow. be us. I will say um, uh, when I was living in L.A., I am now enough – like I was there for – because like I was there for like, you know, almost 10 years. Like I would spend like three, three to five months of the year there for like 10 years. And that's now long enough that some of the people that I was – 
like doing open mics with or whatever, have gone from being people who are starting out doing comedy to people who are like superstars in comedy. Oh, it's wow. been really interesting to just like watch that thing of going, oh, man. Like, so Gerard Carmichael, yeah. Carmichael is one of those people. I used to like gig with him all the time. And you could tell yeah. he was like one of those people that even back then everyone was like, he's like, there's something different about him. But mm. like, but he was new. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, you're one of the best comedians in the world now. Yeah. <laughs> like, <that's- laughs> you got the best special of the year and your de- directorial debut coming out in 2022. It's like pretty. Yeah. I mean, he's special, man. He's so freaking good. Yeah, but I've seen a bunch of those people now. Like, you know, yeah. that you just went, oh, yeah, right. I remember when you kind of started out and now you're like you've got this super, you know, career and you're doing so well and it's like it's cool. Like, I mean, even people like Kamail and stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, I used to gig with Kamail and be friends with those guys all the time and then like, you know, like fucking him and Emily are being nominated for fucking Academy yeah. Awards and like Kamail's in Marvel movies and shit. Like, you're like, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. There you go. Shit. I mean, I guess like we all know Ronnie Chang and yeah, like yeah. Hannah and, and that. like, I mean – it is funny because I think in the old days, like, there was success. Obviously, Paul Hogan and people mm. like that had success. And there were, like, Barry Humphreys and people mm. like that who'd gone mm. overseas and had success. It wasn't, like, a completely alien idea. Mm. But, like, Ronnie and Hannah and people like that have all just, like, now you're like, oh, yeah. Hannah Gadsby was, like, doing, the, like, the Mel- – I saw, like, Nanette at the Lower Town Hall. Yeah. It wasn't even in the big room yeah, in that, yeah. like, in yeah, that, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and, and now it's, like, the, it's, the it's, one it's, special that is synonymous yeah. around the world. Like, people know the name of that right. special. Everyone knows it, like, forever. Even if they've never seen it, yeah. they, they – they, yeah, right? Yeah. It defined a fucking era. I know. It's so crazy. Right. So what I'm saying is there is a chance you guys could be Kanye's pets. So wow. I, I need you to consider or at least Ronnie that, that is at least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie, pick us up for a few years, please, Ronnie. <laughs> He's in Marvel um, too, for fuck's sake. Ever, so everyone's you, in a fucking Marvel movie these days. I mean, it is amazing. There is a lot of Marvel movies, though. Yeah. So I guess, like, you know, oh, the statistical chances that you would appear in a Marvel movie have increased. Did I tell you this, Will? I um I auditioned for the latest Thor movie a bunch of times. The one that has just come out, yeah. Love and Thunder Love or whatever Thunder. it's called. So I got yeah. uh, the casting director kept sending me things saying, like, can uh, you read for this part, read for this part, read for this part. Uh, and there was no names of characters on scripts. So it was uh, just, like, a few lines here and there. And most, I watched the movie for the first time the other night. Most of it isn't actually in the movie, but there's one part. That it, seems like that does not check out because it feels like they left everything <laughs> in the movie. There's so much, so <laughs> many little comedy roles that they must have shot that then edited out. But there's a yeah. little tour guide part that I recognized <laughs> that Daley Peterson plays. And I thought, oh, yeah, I definitely read for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part in the movie where they go, I don't know if you've seen it, but they go to like this council of all the gods of Asgard yeah. and all this other shit. Uh-huh. And Russell Crowe's in it. Yeah. And Russell Crowe's up there as Zeus talking about how there's they're going to have a big orgy after the council. Yeah. That is a fucking bit that I auditioned for. <laughs> I was just like, hang on a second. I recognize those lines. I went back into my emails, brought up the script. I read for the part of Zeus. I didn't even know <laughs> it was Zeus. Are you serious? <laughs> And I was so pissed I mean, off that, that would, I didn't get that it. That would have been a different direction. 
you or Academy Award winning actor Russell Crowe. I can't even be mad. I was just like, yeah. Well, you enough, know what the problem was? Enough. Did you also go in and pitch doing it as Con the Fruiterer? Because <laughs> I, I know I didn't. I did yeah. it in a British accent, and I look on it and I think, yeah. you know what Con the Fruiterer was a funnier choice yeah. at the end of the day. That's yeah, Con the Zeusera is what we called it on Tofop because it is incredible that mm. performance. It is like. One of the, I mean, I found that movie, I only watched it the other night and um, I'd heard bad things, you know, mm. people hadn't really been raving about it. Yeah, same. And it's not like really a good movie, I get that, but as a series of scenes mm. that you can just lay on your couch and watch in a row, like yeah. it's pretty it's pretty entertaining from scene to scene not necessarily consistent but like you're like oh well this bit's good this bit's yeah. good as well like i'm enjoying this right now he, uh, this is complete i mean the, whatever movie christian bale was making like seems yeah. really interesting <laughs> Actually, like, i would have watched that movie i wish <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i wish the whole thing was that movie like, release the bale car <laughs> yeah. i want to see what he was doing <laughs> i think that's it like those two guys they dragged me over the line kicking a yeah. stream and going like yeah i think i like this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't hate it like i was like oh yeah okay uh, and I, was, I there was also this thing where i i kind of i'm i just i am just quite charmed with like some movie that isn't trying to like, I mean, I know it kind of tried to do everything, but it also didn't try to do anything. Yeah. Like, you know, and I didn't actually mind that. I was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I'm like, just happy with this. This will do. Like, yeah. don't, I don't need like some other thing that's happening as well. This is fine. This will do. <laughs> this is it. That yeah. was my It'll, review it was of fine. it. It'll do. This was absolutely mm, fine. Totally. Fucking Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman dying in a hospital in one scene, bunch of screaming goats in the other. It's the finding yeasers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) They're doing a lot of things. (laughs) I mean, the the amount of choices too. Like, there's some things where you're just like, like you talk about that idea of Christian Bale being in a more interesting movie, but also you introduce this idea that he is so haunted by like being betrayed by the gods that he becomes like the like the most interesting thing you could ever think of. A, a villain yeah. who is literally hunting down gods, mm. and we we will show exactly none of that. Yeah. So that yeah. we're not going to put that in the movie. Um, oh, by the way, um, Natalie Portman is a Thor now. Um, mm. How did that happen? Mm. I don't know. Off yep, screen. Let's just let's just assume it that. Just let's just assume that. Cool. Let's assume that wouldn't have been interesting <laughs> in any way to see how that happened. So. <laughs> But I was also kind of like, oh, well, good on you. Um, have you seen anything that you really – what have you liked recently? Like what is something that you've really been entertained by or was better than you expected? Oh, I'm watching it now. It's a six-part mini-series, documentary series mm. from Ethan Hawke uh, directing it called The Last Movie Stars about Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman's uh, marriage, like their relationship and their relationship to Hollywood. And I, you know, I love those two. I want to, I like, I really like Ethan Hawke as a director as well. And this is like freaking crack to me, dude, this miniseries, because its premise is like, it's about their relationship. And part of it is Paul Newman was going to write an autobiography, uh, you know, a decade or two before he passed away. And he had a co-writer that when interviewed everyone you could ever want to be 
on the record about Paul Newman and Joan Woodward. Like they interviewed freaking everyone from Martin Ritt to Sidney Lumet to like all the other stars that they were friends with. And then he, even his ex-wife they interviewed. And it was all these like recordings of that. And Newman decided he didn't want to do it. And he burned all the tapes. He got rid of all the tapes. But the person that was co-writing got them transcribed. And so... Uh, Ethan Hawke found all the transcriptions for this documentary and he's gotten all these, like his movie star friends to be the voices of the people on the transcripts, like turn that into the audio for the documentary. So George Clooney plays Paul Newman, Laura Linney plays uh, Joanne Woodward and it is just so good and so compelling. And he made it all during like COVID lockdowns. So he's like interviewing all these other stars like over Zoom and stuff. And it's just like this, that mixed media stuff that I love in documentaries so much. It's just like pure, like my dream documentary to watch right now. Okay. Ethan Hawke. Uh, mixed feelings about Ethan Hawke. Mm. And, you know, I'll tell you why. Because I quite like his work. I think he's like, you know, he's been in a lot of things that I liked. Mm. But when I was in yeah, university, Reality Bites came out. And mm. for a little period of my mm-hmm. life, um, because I was also in love with Winona Ryder, I based my yeah. like entire personality and look on Ethan Hawke's character in mm. uh, Reality Bites. <laughs> yeah. And then later on in my life, revisited that and felt really bad about that because that is not a good character. Yeah, he's, a <laughs> he's not a guy guy. He's a bad guy. <laughs> he's like Ben Stiller. He's yeah. actually playing quite a responsible dude. Yeah. And like, and like, he is a selfish he's not cool. Ethan Hawke's character. He's like a suit for MTV or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a guy with a job who's trying hard to put, like, you know, give people an opportunity. And fucking Ethan Hawke's just a prick. Just a horrible, gaslighting, self involved narcissist. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I loved Uma Thurman, and then they were like in a relationship, Mm. and then I don't know, that ended, and you like, but I like him, and I feel like he is an interesting person, and I've seen him like clips of him go around the internet and stuff recently went the same things where when I clicked on it, I yeah. was like, ah, oh, okay. Mm. Like you seem like an interesting, like maybe I've let my, a couple of personal things that really had nothing to do with Ethan Hawke really color. That he caused yeah. Life, yeah. Like. You know, when somebody's like real mad at you and you can't work out why, yeah. cause you've never intentionally done anything bad to them at all. <laughs> but like they've taken two absolutely unrelated things and made them real personal. Anyway, that's what I was doing to Ethan Hawke. So I should give him a second chance. I did that. Give the guy a chance. He's a beautiful actor and a I deep love him okay. in uh, all the Richard Linklater collaborations yes. that together. I think he's mm, and he writes or he co writes a lot of those too. I think yes. he's he's quite a good artist. Um hey, but speaking of what you just said, un you know, just judging people without any reason. There was an American comedian who came out here earlier in the year to do stand up spot. I think he was filming The Young Rock and he did a bunch of spots at the store. Okay. And I can't remember his name, doesn't matter, but for some reason, there was just something about him that made me hate him, and I couldn't, mm. I could never put my finger on it. He was nothing but nice. Every time I spoke to him backstage, the whole time I was thinking, "You're so nice," but I just fucking hate your guts, and I can't explain why. And then finally, I googled him, and I realized it's because he plays a heckler on the show Hacks. And- <laughs> <laughs> Where he heckles the main he heckles the main comedian character a lot in one episode. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it, but she like has has a big interaction mm. with him. 
And that was what that was coloring my judgment of this guy. I just saw him as a prick heckler. That's so funny. I couldn't believe it. And then when he got off stage, I went, "Hey man, I loved you on Hacks. You were great on Hacks." <laughs> yeah. Well, Charlie and I uh, were at a nightclub in. Um, uh, Byron Bay a long time ago now like 15 years ago or something like this and um, we were having quite a good time but we would notice that every time we sat down somewhere like people would move like the people would move away from us or like stop what they were doing and kind of like get, like it was just a weird vibe right mm. and it turned out I just asked someone when Charlie was in the bathroom I was like what's going on and they were like that guy's a cop and I was like no, I know him. He's not a cop. And everyone's like, he's a cop. Like, he's an undercover cop. Like, so everyone's like real sus on him. And we worked out. It was because, like, he was playing a cop on Blue Healers. And, like, people just had that, like, they looked so at his good. face and That's they saw so a, they saw a cop. That's yeah. So <laughs> the small town cops or Blue Healers are here doing a sting operation in this nightclub. Curse of being an actor. Imagine being a soap actor and just having every right. woman hate yeah. you around the world because your character cheated on Did someone something with terrible. a twin or some shit. Well, no, Charlie yeah. treated... I think Charlie was in a relationship, his character on Home and Away, mm. Zach was in a relationship with Ada Nicodemus' character. Yeah. And Ada Nicodemu is like wow. one of the most, you know, beloved oh, yes. um, mm. home and away. God, so, that's why I hate Charlie. <laughs> Good Lord, I've been trying to figure out all these well, years. Well, apparently their relationship ended in bad circumstances. Like he, he treated her badly at the end and he still gets people being mad about that. So. <laughs> wow. The yeah. Greek community will never forgive him for that. <laughs> never, ever, ever. Um, so tell me this, uh, Cameron James. Mm. What have you? What have you been watching that you have enjoyed of, of late? You're going to hate this, um, but you know how I, I have a soft spot for kind of shitty movies, like the Now You See Me's mm. of the world. Yeah, no, me too. Um, I watched for the first time the other day. My wife and I watched National Treasure and National mm. Treasure Two, the Nick Cage Disney movies that are basically Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code, uh-huh. spin-offs, yep. and I mm-hmm. fucking loved them. I thought they were really? so fun. Yeah. I want more of them. I couldn't believe When the second one finished, I thought they should have made five more of these. Yeah, it's crazy they didn't. They're so fun. It's exactly the type of shit that you want in those kinds of movies. There's a big, we've got to get the team together. We've got a plan. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big dramatic moment when Nick Cage has to say something like, well, there's only one option. I have to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, right. That's what those movies are, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, there's always some hidden map in like the Declaration yeah. of Independence or something. In the second one, he has to kidnap the President of the United States of America. And it's very exciting. Very exciting wow. sequence. I love it. I love that kind of shit. I love an action-adventure movie. I love anything that has puzzles and big old Aztecian mm. rooms. Yeah with big dials and things that you need to turn and a door opens or a waterfall stops or some shit. I love it. Speaking of Now You See, now you see Me and the Now You See Me franchise, um, mm. wasn't there going to be a new Now You See Me movie? Like, did I not hear that? That's what they said, yeah. Now we, You Three Me? That off- well, that was the whole me. thing. I was like, come on, Now You Three Me. And then it, like... <laughs> yeah, there was, there was, there was talk, talk of it. Of it yeah. a while Do we ago. know what happened to that? Because... It's- Still on IMDb. Mm. I reckon it's. Uh, there's no way this will go ahead. So much mm. time has passed. 
between now you see me and now you still see me or whatever. No, well, that was a great thing like because it didn't go that route. It was just like now you <laughs> yeah. see me too. But I hope that down yeah, the line yeah, they right. start to Fast and Furious it and, you know, just get a little loose yeah, with – Yeah, don't. exactly. Like the, maybe one that tackles sexual harassment in like, you know, the magic community and now you see me too. Like it's not the sequel. Yep. It's a T-O-O. It's a different movie, guys. <laughs> Guys, I'm on movieweb.com and they're saying that it looks like it's not going ahead. No. It was originally set for a 2018 release and Benedict Cumberbatch was rumoured to play a villainous magician. Oh, yeah, okay. God, he was in that era. Benedict was rumoured for every villain at that time. Yeah. Okay, he, okay but you know what? I, I actually don't see this as a sad thing. I see this as a good thing because I think this, oper- this opens up an opportunity because, like, you know... I feel like much like this, you know, there's sometimes there's movie franchises where you're like, this is a good idea. I just wish you'd let me write it or someone like who actually yes. understand. I wish you'd let someone who understands what you created better than you do. Let you, let you, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I find that with the Purge movies. Like, I feel like there are, there's a better series within the, like, I like the Purge movies. I, I actually do, but. You do hate Ethan Hawke. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the concept more than I like the movies, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and it's too. the same with, like, Jeepers Creepers, like, you know, did that horror franchise. Mm. I think that's a really good idea for a horror story that, like, the the movies are not... The not very good. Sleeps for 23 yeah. years and wakes Come up. Comebacks and, and feeds. Like, like, yeah. You know, anyway. So there's, there's, there's like good ideas for things. So what got us onto this? What were we fucking talking about that I was going to, I went on too big of a run up. Now and I thought, oh, me. now you see me. So I feel like we understand now you see me better than the makers of now you see me and now you see me too. And I feel like this is yeah. an opportunity for some new blood to come in and like pitch a, yeah. like I just watched the John Ham Fletch movie and oh, I, well, I I love the original movies and mm. but I love the original movies when I was a kid and it made me read the books which are actually a bit yeah. different to the um I love the books. Yeah. I read the but books. The, but it is a bit different to the movie. This is yeah. feels to me like they did a really good job of landing halfway between the book and the original movie so that people who like oh, the original yeah. movie could still enjoy it. But it's like a lot yeah. closer to, you know, like the idea of like what the books were and what that character is in the books. Like he's a bit more of a real world character, if that makes sense. Like, but still yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, doing cool. the adventures and like, you know, kind of using like the sort of tricks and secret identities and like blah, 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 yeah. playing hard and fast. Yeah. It's got a bit of a like knives out sort of vibe in that, like you get that kind of unfolding oh, yeah. mystery, like, you know, thing. It's the paperback. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. I liked it a lot. I thought it was, oh, I thought man. it was really good. So what I'm saying is we can be the John Ham's Fletch version of the, now you see me universe and come in with some bloody fresh yeah. blood and like bit more ground. For now you, now you three me and fucking, yeah. Now you yeah. Three like me. we, firstly, that's our stamp. We start doing funny titles. <laughs> like the, you, you guys fucking wasted the opportunity. <laughs> so it is our, it is our time now. Like James Cameron style with the famous alien, Aliens yeah. with the dollar sign. Yeah. We come, we come in and we just write on the board. Now you now three you me, three and me. then we just throw our hands out and we wait. We wait for them to tell us how big the check will be. Yeah, 
yeah. And we go, and the three is yeah. not only because it's the uh. third movie, it's also because it's going to make $3 million <laughs> at the box office. And yeah, to us, that's a lot of money. That's three. It's <laughs> an apartment for each of us in Peterson if we really want it. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking nightmare. <laughs> Great. Uh, all right. Well, we'll talk off air so people don't steal our ideas. But obviously, cool, that's cool. that's a plan. Let's definitely do that. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Well, thank you very much. Um, people should check out uh, Finding Jesus, which is available on. Uh, is it called Grouse? No, what's it called? It's called Grouse House. Grouse House, Grouse House which is Auntie yeah. Donna's. Uh, what what do you call it? What's the action? What yeah, what like are you young people say? Like, <laughs> like what is it? describe I, the place we, we call find it a your subsidiary. thing? Okay, a we subsidiary. call it a subsidiary of Auntie Donna. <laughs> okay, cool. We only use business terminology, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yes. they're like they're funny little curated YouTube channel for stuff that they're not necessarily mm. in. But having said that, yes, they are in. They're in this. Uh, there are lots years. of. They're all in. There's funny. lots of great cameos in yeah. uh, in a couple of episodes that I've seen, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the rest of it. So thank you very much for doing the podcast today, gentlemen. Thanks so oh, much thank for having you. us, Will. You're Thanks the best. For us. Yeah, this is so much fun. Uh, it's why we make these things <laughs> on your podcast every couple of years. <laughs> 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 well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs>